0: sometimes i'll use an idiom and then i'll only realize later that is only an idiom in welsh like what can you ah,
1: think, let's see? think oh, it's one. always hard on the spot isn't it let think of
0: something weather related in english you would say raining cats and dogs in welsh you would say it's raining old ladies with sticks oh <laughs> <laughs> which i think comes from the noise of it like it sounds like an old lady
1: on the roof with sticks i don't know whether but... there's any sort of misogyny implied in that expression but i like how different they are <laughs> Hello, welcome to Comedy with an Accent podcast. I'm your Taiwanese comedian, Quan Wen. I interview comedians who perform English standard comedy but who are not native English speakers or they can have a very distinct British regional accent. This podcast is all about comedy, about accent, about languages and about the comedy technique. So stay tuned if you're interested oh is that it there's no something exciting like a clap or just (laughs) let's start it
0: (laughs) you wanted a -a (laughs) clapperboard. okay let's do it
1: hello welcome back to the comedy with an accent podcast i've moved again i am in Cardiff in Camri, I'm in Wales today to interview a Welsh comedian. Normally I talk about the comedian's accolade in a very tacky and conventional mm-hmm. way, but for this specific comedian, I want to sing his song to welcome him, because I try to learn a couple of Welsh greetings, and I think I sound pretty terrible. So I'm gonna do this. The pound is down, the pound is down, <laughs> <laughs> the funding to be found. I got a two p in my dressing gown. Uh, I need mean, because the pound is down. Is this that right? Oh, that's my song. I'm so pleased. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in
0: years. That is my...
1: Let's welcome to this podcast. <laughs> and that is Stefan Alin...
0: That is absolutely spot on
1: I know, I do my homework <laughs> I for the anglophones You would think he is Stephen Alun But today we have Stephen Alun Welcome, hello, hi Hello, thank you for having me I feel so welcome in Cardiff Because I've been to the UK over 15 years mm. I've never visited Wales until 2022 But this is my fifth visit into ah, Wales Good, I? good, <laughs> good You should come all the time My impression of Cardiff Has always been based on the Rod Gilbert set He was joking about Cardiff people trying to go european and trying to serve italian al fresco and he thinks it's a worse idea because Fred would say, "Spaghetti carbonara, <laughs> Spooky And he's just showing this weather battling wind and rain. Yet when I arrived in Cardiff today, it was beautifully sunny. So it's a good sign. Hopefully today is not a train wreck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> recording. How are you, Stefan? Um, I'm very good. You're yeah, very
0: good. I'm very good. Okay. Um, what news to report? Just having a nice time, I suppose.
1: Doing loads of gigs. I had quite. Some while lot... the world is crumbling yes, around us. Yes. Yeah. You're <gasps> (laughs) Okay, I'm going to follow my usual structure so I don't get lost. So, Stefan, my usual question for any of my guests. Do you think you have an accent when you speak English? Uh, Yes, obviously. I think everyone does. That is too politically (laughs) correct. I'm using that in a more conventional way. I know everyone has an accent, but in a conventional way. So,
0: I think my accent is quite soft. I don't necessarily sound that much like the people I grew up with when I speak English. And that's just because I learned the language late. My first language is Welsh. When I learned English, I was kind of conscious of learning the accent that I wanted to learn.
1: Can we delve into that a little bit? So by that accent you wanted to have, which Mm. accent did you have in mind? I suppose I wanted
0: what I thought of as a normal English accent, which is the accent that I heard growing up listening to Enid Blyton audiobooks and watching old Doctor Who. So... I suppose RP English is what that is. But I just thought of it as like... Because, you know, I didn't learn English to fluency until I was in my teens. But obviously, you grow up in Britain, you hear loads of English. So I grew up watching English telly. So I couldn't really speak it, but I could understand it. Mm -hmm. So you just end up with an idea of what you're meant to sound like. And because I grew up in the 90s, I think it was already changing a bit. And I think it's better now. But still, mostly, you wouldn't hear that many regional English accents. You would hear sort of middle class posh english and i think i had a bit of this is embarrassing to admit now i'm very very proud of being welsh and of being a welsh speaker but i was so sort of embarrassed about the fact that my english wasn't
1: very good that i at least wanted it to sound natural so I think you're saying you are old enough to remember a time where the news have one accent. yeah. Unlike today, every accent is welcome and ostensibly celebrated. I don't think it's yeah. actually that celebrated. It's, but when you were growing up, there was one accent that's expected RP accent, the BBC English.
0: Yeah, I think if you heard regional accent, it tended to be in soap operas. So East Enders, you'd hear a Cockney accent. You'd hear, you know, Northern accents in Emmerdale or whatever the, the Northern Soap. <laughs> I don't really watch Tropes, but like that's what you would associate it with. You get regional and more working class accents in those shows, whereas the stuff I watched, and I watched a lot of like CBBC, BBC's children's output, and a lot of that was like because I think a lot of actors would hide their accent in order to get work. Like, it was shocking to me to learn that Elizabeth Sladen is from Liverpool and be played Sarah Jane Smith in the 70s in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. You would never know it because she just has the posh English accent that every that every actor would have. But even now, you know, Hugh Edwards, I love Hugh Edwards, um, Welsh BBC newsreader. He's really, really good. But again, his accent is Welsh, definitely Welsh, but it's quite a soft Welsh mm-hmm. accent. It's not... You still hear it and think, oh, that sounds cultured, because right. we've been trained to think that a certain type
1: of speaking is cultured. I have cultured. two observations on Hugh Edwards. Number yeah. one, he personally say that his accent is not the Welsh accent. He talked mm. about the locality of his accent. There's not one Welsh accent. He has a specific accent to a corner of Wales, so he like to make that differentiation. Second, I always wonder what older British ladies think when they watch Hugh Edwards. Mm. Are they thinking about the news or thinking about him that's the <laughs> genuine right. i know what i'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i'm sorry this is so inappropriate there's this chunk of listening from the state mm. i feel like i need to explain a little bit so Stefan is a welsh speaker he's from wales part of the united kingdom welsh is a language welsh is not a dialect and it's not just because it's a political term welsh belongs to the celtic or the Breton language is completely different from English, which is a Germanic language. So in terms of grammar and spelling, in a lot of ways, it's a complete separate language from English. Now you kind of implied it, but you didn't say specifically, but I heard it in an older podcast episode you've done, you were first a Welsh speaker. Yeah, And actually you didn't learn English until well into 12 and 13 years old
0: I always say that I was 15 when I became fluent But obviously the nature of learning a language is a lifelong thing And so I started getting formal lessons when I was Mm 7 I was really bad at it because no one anticipates your English being that poor if you've grown up in the UK at the age of seven. And I didn't see it as useful. I didn't realise there was much value in it, because everyone I knew spoke Welsh. My family did, my friends did, my school, my social life. So I didn't really put my all into it. And then by my teens, there were just a lot of cool people I wanted to be friends with who wouldn't speak Welsh socially, and, you know, as a teenager (laughs) who wants to, like, go to the right parties and whatever you go,
1: there's now, like, a social aspect to this did you feel like a vegan that was forced to eat meat just <laughs> to,
0: <you> know, <laughs> no because get invited
1: to <laughs> <a> certain parties <laughs> wife has
0: learnt Welsh as a second language. So is she English? So, uh, she is Welsh, but she wasn't taught the language from birth. And so she's sort of the reverse of me in a way. Mm-hmm. She grew up around it but and has learnt it and is fluent now. So the irony of it is I grew up as a Welsh speaker. She grew up as an English speaker. But if you have a question about the English language, you might be better off asking me. If you have a question about the Welsh language, you're better off asking her because we have better knowledge
1: of the language we had to learn from scratch. Yeah. Because we remember learning it as I hope it's not too rude, but does your wife have a slight English accent when she speaks Welsh?
0: No, she has what I would call a learner's accent. A learner's accent. There is quite a distinctive learner's accent, I think, because there's only so many Welsh teachers. You can definitely tell that she's someone who has learnt it, but... I mean I don't think that's a bad thing obviously. It know, is not a bad yeah, thing. I'll yeah. try to
1: say without any judgment. Yeah,
0: I think there's loads of stuff like that. I mean in the same way when I speak to you I think okay you sound like you've learned English as a second language to me mm-hmm. because it's not it's not anything that's in there. It's it's something that isn't there. You know, yeah. there's a certain something happens when you have a language from birth. There's a certain fluency of speech it's very hard to describe, but you can tell it when it's there. I think
1: it's if someone, say, get into a fight, whether yeah. you're fighting with your body or with an extra weapon, if you learn a language later, even though you do it very fluently, yeah. you can use the weapon really well, but yeah. it's never part of your body. That's my personal That's perception. a lovely idea. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think that's true. And a compliment I get fairly often is, like a lot of people will tell me, that if they didn't know, they would never guess how late I learned English. Yeah. And I think that is because even though I didn't learn it until late, I was exposed to it really early on. So I think I sort of incorporated the rhythms of it and the, and the flow of it. That said, I can hear it. With every English word I speak, I can hear me going, as you say, that's a tool that's not part of my body. I'm choosing to use these words. I'm thinking in Welsh right now. And that is an
1: actual follow up question I had, Mm. because in my episode title, I will always put down where the guest comes from and what language the guest speaks. Some people learn a lot of foreign languages. So my rule is I will limit it to the guest mother tongue. So if someone is proficient in English, but they learn it later, I don't really count as one yeah. but if the guest is from India or from Singapore mm. it's a language they use daily then I will count it yeah. so my question to you because I heard mm. you on the other podcast you described your first language being Welsh and you specifically said that you think in Welsh Yeah. my question is do you think English is your semi or the second language but as good as a mother tongue or is quite I different think, yeah. enough to be just one of the foreign languages speaks really really well um
0: I think I have mastery over it Which I don't have over any other language I speak If I speak in French It's much more awkward and broken I can get by but it's not great Mm -hmm. Whereas English I'm a stand-up comic Most of my gigs are in English I think I am every bit as good As first language English speakers At using that language Yeah Even though, as I say, I think there's something as a second language speaker that you never get. There's a certain something that you can't acquire if you didn't learn it as a child. But I do think I've got mastery over it. I know precisely what word I want to use, and I can do that extremely quickly.
1: Let me press on this a little bit more. If English is not that natural, Mm. sometimes there's a little glitch, even though it doesn't happen very often. Does that glitch happen to you? Yes, it does.
0: I think it happens... Not that often.
1: Mm -hmm. It happens like...
0: I went to see the film Glass Onion, the Daniel Craig murder mystery, and he plays that with a very broad Southern American accent. And, you know, there are little moments, I think, where I caught that accent slipping, because it's not his real accent. He's putting it on, and so there's a couple of little bits where we go, you know, oh, that's not it's, how it is." It's a-
1: just a little bit, because yeah. Harry style was absolutely a train wreck in that, oh, my word, for I said, like, I don't... Aww. How do you even explain this? It just shows that if you're good-looking enough, you can get away with a lot of things. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry could, for being a bitch, but... You, I mean... Yeah, what a sugar high Sorry, sorry <laughs> You can get away
0: with so much If you are extremely good looking <laughs> back to yeah. the story
1: So okay. you are watching the movie And yeah. you notice Daniel Craig's accent it, Was slipping occasionally Yeah, and I think that is how My
0: glitches happen yeah. It'll be a slip But if you don't know how a Welsh speaker would speak English, you won't notice that it's a glitch. You'll just think, "What an
1: interesting way of
0: saying that word." Or maybe that's his personal thing. Yeah. So let's
1: say when you just came in and we had this mm. brief small talk, and you did this very Welsh r, r-, r
0: Yeah, is that something
1: you do naturally? Or yeah, it is. You roll your R's in Welsh, and
0: so I'm very pleased. You know, we're working with someone I'd met before, and so we spoke in Welsh. Minus. Oh, yes. <laughs> <Extra. laughs> And so that was wonderful, you know, getting to immediately switch into my own language. Oh, was that
1: Stronger Art the result of you having had just that conversation with a Welsh speaker? And I caught you a second afterwards. I think so. My accent wanders quite a lot.
0: So here's the other thing. I have ADHD and there is... A very, very well-studied link between strength of accent and typicality or neurodivergence. Can Can you you... use a layman's word for a second one? It's getting very scientific. Okay, let's put it very, very simply. Autistic people have gentler accents. Oh, that's very interesting. Yes, there's loads and loads of theories about why that is. But the theory that I subscribe to is that your brain acquires an accent for a reason. Everything you do, you do for a reason. There's various comics who've played with this. When someone says, oh, I'm not good at accents, and you go, well, you must be because you speak your accent. You know, you can't grow up in Liverpool and be like, ah, bugger, I can't do the accent. Yeah, the true. joke of the comic is to imagine a kid born in some country where they can't do the accent and they're just sounding very English, but they're surrounded by their Japanese family or whatever. Right. That's obviously absurd. You acquire the accent accent of the people around you. The idea that autistic minds are less likely to do that, I think it's an efficiency thing. I think your brain chooses to pick up things that are useful, and for some reason an autistic mind looks
1: at an accent and just thinks, I don't see why that's useful. I don't know so much about autism. I hope what I'm trying Mm. to guess or what I assume doesn't sound offensive anyway. I wonder whether it's because for people who have autism, they spend more time observing the surroundings either because they have the more tentative attitude when they make that exposure or the connection to the world around them. And because of the extra observation, they're more likely to either intentionally or not to perfect or improve the I, accent. In so
0: I suspect it's more mechanical than that. Mm. I don't think it's social because this affects autistic kids across the globe in an equal way. Like it doesn't seem to vary by culture. Okay. So I think it's probably physical. And I think it's just a thing of like, you don't acquire it because it's not as useful. But
1: you do think it's a possibility you've moulded your accent into a less working-class type of Welsh accent. Yeah, it's possible that I've done that on purpose,
0: or it's possible that my brain just didn't bother acquiring the working-class accent because it wasn't useful.
1: I did mean glitch not in a way I know the podcast title is called comedy with an accent but my interests extend beyond the actual language itself if I take myself as an example the other day I have a whole bit about the reason Asian people are healthy and they get to live a long life thanks to antibiotics invented by western civilization I've done this set 30 40 times on that night I forgot what you call antibiotics mm-hmm. i remember what it is in mandarin yeah, yeah. for a full minute but initially i struggled and i thought this is such a key word to this whole set this is like a soul of this set. there's yeah. no way i will forget this word mm-hmm. and i don't know where's a sign of early alzheimer's mm-hmm. so i just keep trying to play around it and then only after a minute i remember i'm sorry it's antibiotics that yeah. i meant to say but the audience just thought, I'm playing the character of a yeah. foreigner who couldn't speak English. So I got away mm. with it. But it gave me a real scare because this yeah. happened various times with different words. Once I forgot how to say a donut. And donut is something I learned when yeah. I was, I don't know, 9 or 10. So there's no reason I should forget yeah. about this. And I'm a chubby kiss. I should, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should know. That is what I meant by glitch okay, even though yeah. I use English professionally either mm. before I became a comedian I was an accountant had to use English now I perform in English but it can still happen to me Does no. that ever happen to you? Yes it does 100%
0: and you get caught in your head and you know the Welsh <laughs> word but I think I have two advantages in my court. So firstly, before I did stand-up, I was a translator. Welsh and English, you would go both ways in different contexts. Okay. I used to work for the council, so people would write letters of complaint in Welsh, and for the person in charge to read it, I would need to translate it into English. Then they would write their response, and I would translate that back into Welsh so the person complaining can I'm gonna ask
1: you to provide a bit of context for the listener, because yeah. it is a requirement. Can you talk about the bureaucracy, at yeah. inn and the Welsh language requirement?
0: In 1993, The Welsh Language Act was passed in the UK. That means in Wales, any material that goes out to the public from a public body has to be translated. Mm -hmm. This law is not always followed, but it should be. It's Mm -hmm. legally required. This was part of a number of measures because in 1991, two years before, in the census, the rate of Welsh speaking had fallen to an all-time low of 18% of the country. So it was the first thing to reverse those fortunes. And loads and loads of work, loads of great activism has happened since.
1: So the context here we have is when you deal with the governmental bodies, people can choose to use the Welsh language, but the recipient or the caseworker may not necessarily know the Welsh language, then your input as a translator is required. Yes.
0: And also anything that goes out to the public. So if you write a 10,000-word strategy, even if you don't plan for anyone to ever read it, legally that has to exist in Welsh, which means someone's going to have to sit there and translate all 10,000 words.
1: And how does that become your advantage when you had a glitch when you perform comedy? Because speaking
0: two languages, that is two different skills. The ability to go back and forth between the two is a third skill. Not everyone who speaks two languages can translate.
1: And you had that because yeah. you were a translator. Yeah,
0: I got the training in it. In fact, even though I am now a full-time comic, I still keep up that training. I don't want to they lose skills. have a skill. bit of pocket money sometimes. Exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah. obviously, the reason I do it is because... Have you had this? Sometimes you'll meet an older comic in their 50s and they, they just hate comedy, but they're stuck because <laughs> they, they don't have any other skills. Well, they are everywhere. <laughs> <Just talking. laughs> don't get <something. laughs> And also, you know Bethany Black, I'm sure? Yes. Great comic. She broke her leg a few years years ago and suddenly couldn't work and it was just so scary to think that oh yeah something really simple can happen and you just can't do it anymore yeah. i just want to have that skill and then the pandemic rolled around and i was lucky because i had
1: a thing i could fall I back i absolutely on. hated accountancy like mm. this is what my professional trained skill it wasn't meant to be but yeah. it was a byproduct of me trying to stay in this country legally and i became an accountant but It was absolutely useful when I had to haggle over a contract settlement. But I'm going to come back to that glitch. Can you give me an example of a couple of English words you just forgot
0: on the spot? It's hard to think on the spot about what they would have been. It's definitely happened. And also the other thing that can happen is that you forget the English grammar. Sometimes I'll use an idiom. And then I'll only realise later that is only an idiom in Welsh. Like what? Okay. Ah, let's see. Think oh, of it's one. always hard on the spot, isn't it? Let's think of something weather related. In English, you would say raining cats and dogs. In Welsh, you would say it's raining old ladies with sticks.
1: Oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which I think comes from the noise of it Like it sounds like an old lady on the roof with stick. I don't know whether so there's
1: it. any sort of misogyny implied in that expression But I like how different they are You know the funny thing about It Rains Cats and dogs Is like mm. the top number one idiom people were told That we had to memorize and learn yeah. And then when we actually go to an English speaking country We say it all the time People yeah. are like we do have this expression But we yeah. don't say it all the time <laughs> We were told this is the number one <laughs> expression you need to learn <laughs>
0: Podcasts are so great when they are like just a conversation off the top of your head because you listen to the podcast when you're distracted. You're doing the dishes or you're on a train. You know, there's things to be doing. So you don't want the information to be too I just notice a glitch. You say
1: there's things to be doing, but things yeah. should be done. <gasps> things should be done. But is that yeah. the Welsh grammar? Uh, oh my God. I was so rude. I was literally yeah, no. pointing out like, <laughs> you don't know how to speak <laughs> English. <laughs>
0: Okay, so what did I say? To be. There are things to be done, whereas I said there are things, things to, be to be doing. Manabeth eognade. Yeah, so that's the Welsh.
1: Is there the past participle concept in Welsh? <laughs> yeah, that's
0: a big word. I don't know. All right. Some people <laughs> going to switch
1: it off again. <laughs> the original topic is when a glitch happened, mm. you have a couple of tools at your disposal. And the first of them was that you do translation. Yeah. You've got a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> I try yeah. when I remember how to save antibiotics. So, yeah. what are, are so the, the
0: other tools you had in mind? So, is that as a comic, I have cultivated openness with the audience. Sometimes it's a constructed openness, but if I glitch and I forget a word, I just tell the audience I've forgotten the word. Oh. And I trust myself that I can do that in a warm and comedic way, so I'll keep the laughs coming. Comedians always lie to audiences, right? Yeah, you, know, you have to. Y- yeah. And I've realised that some of those lies, we just like because we're used to lying. We're not doing it because it's helpful. We're doing it because it hasn't occurred to us not to. Mm-hmm. It's trained me to know when you can be honest and when it doesn't rob you of your power. If we as second language English speakers try and hide it when we've forgotten a word it makes it shameful and it makes it harder because maybe next month there's someone whose English is even more likely to glitch than mine so if i can normalize forgetting the odd word here and there because here's the truth monolingual english speakers who can speak no other language they also sometimes forget a word
1: that's but, a very good point yes actually that's true or sometimes they just don't know a word they, they are know using yeah. as a second language yeah. speaker. <laughs> so that's it sometimes we have shame about
0: it because we think we have to be the model learner we have to know all the
1: words yes but like they don't know all the words <laughs> no initially I always felt very hurt when someone pointed out my accent or criticized or just make a little I don't think they were making mockery but they were mimicking how I pronounce certain words and mm. I'm just like you know I'm trying my best to yeah. make my English as neutral as possible Right? this is very hurtful but then I realized once I own it it's like just say, yeah. like, you know what guys I know I have an accent I'll try to make it as understandable as possible but just be aware I have an accent and I'm aware of it and yeah. let's get going and they just make it so much easier I Performing no longer becomes these of this dangerous, oh, would I be pronouncing sound horribly wrong? Because I know I can deliver funny, even yeah. though I have an accent. And that makes it so much more peaceful or normal relationship I have with performing comedy in English. My favourite gig to do in the world is the translation gig. I'm doing that tonight. I thought you say it was Quantum Leopard in the old comedy episode. <laughs> <laughs> that emphasis. is the
0: second best. <laughs> Sorry, James. So the translation gig, half the stage is... A normal gig Happening in Welsh Yes But the other half Of the stage Is me Translating them live For th- an audience That does not speak Welsh Oh that
1: is a fabulous concept so I love to be able to do it I mean do you perform In Mandarin Not much I've tried yeah. it once In Taiwan I mm. was very very new And I did it again In London And it wasn't A great experience Before I got on stage The MC introduced me As Taiwanese And the mm. Chinese woman shut it out China Taiwan It was completely unnecessary Can you imagine A Welsh comic get on stage yeah. So the next comic from Wales And someone mm. shall United Kingdom Wales Oh you'd kill them <laughs> I just I just yeah. thought You know what Lady this is unnecessary So mm. I don't want To perform to Chinese That's yeah. why Despite my accent I'm walking my ass off to perform To English speaking mm. people Because I need you guys ah. At least you let me Talk <laughs> what I think
0: well, I will say this, right? So I do loads of Welsh language comedy. It's important, and I think it's culturally valuable. Selfishly, I would love to never perform in Welsh again, because performing to my people is really, really difficult.
1: (laughs) Is it because you're used to compose or think comedically
0: in English first? No, I think I'm just, I was going to say I'm funnier in Welsh, that's not quite true. I'm better at using the Welsh language, but the problem is you're performing to your people, so your relationship to them is different. If I perform to English speakers, if I make a sweeping statement about Wales, they will assume I speak for all Welsh people. Mm. If I make that same statement in Wales, most of them are going to go, no, it's not. (laughs) You know, they know me. But also because Wales is quite small, we don't really have a concept of, although there are famous Welsh people, we don't get starstruck by celebrity because we feel like we're one big family. So if there's a Welsh speaker, we feel like we know them. Mm. Like a Welsh speaker who'd never met Hugh Edwards would never be starstruck by him. They would go up to him and say, hey, Hugh, how's it going? Um, Because we see him as one of our own. That changes your dynamic. You know, you can never have that thing in Welsh where a powerful, high status comic comes out and just, owns that space and goes i'm the best
1: but does that mean they're more likely to heckle or challenge you yeah oh yeah and it's not even it's more chatty than heckling it's like they'll just sort of join in because oh, okay. i didn't remember yeah. you went particularly for the high status performing style i thought you were quite approachable i don't think you're necessarily. i'm high warm but i'm actually
0: high status if you pay attention to what i'm doing
1: because i'm friendly
0: and i do it with a glint in my eye
1: but in an intellectual way do you mean that by high status
0: no by high status i mean like you think you're better than the audience. okay. You know, you're putting yourself on a pedestal. So that's
1: you assuming your comedic persona, but you don't yeah. display it blatantly.
0: Yeah, it's a, a conscious choice. I used to be lower status, but I have ethical issues with being low status if you're regional and if you're queer. I'm bisexual and I'm Welsh. If I'm low status, you can tell that I really believe in Hannah Gadsby's thing about self-deprecation is humiliation, when okay. it?
1: this discussion on performing in welsh Mm. and you say that in terms of languages you're a more fluent welsh speaker you find it harder just because the audience expectation of you is different and dynamic yeah different comedians have different ideas about this but i would
0: hate let me ask you the question yes do you think you would enjoy performing if you were a household name incredibly famous everyone in the country knows who you are do you think you'd enjoy gigs
1: I don't think I would, because yeah. I would not know whether they'd like me, the idea of me, or just like that specific joke. Yeah. If I managed to come up with a brilliant joke, I would someone to give me extra compliment on the effort. Yeah. Not just because they like me yeah. as a name, as the person. Yeah. yeah, so that's how I feel. My favorite thing about
0: comedy is stepping out into a room that has no idea who I am and having to win them over. I love that exciting tension in a room And I love it when the gig is a bit suspicious, especially weekend gigs, big clubs, because a lot of those people in the audiences, they wouldn't go to a theatre to buy into a full show, but they'll come to a comedy gig on a weekend for a laugh and get hammered. And so when you step out onto that stage, all right, go on then. You know, there's scepticism. They're not sure if you're going to be funny because they don't know you yet. There is something so satisfying about convincing them that you are funny from nothing, using nothing
1: but stories you've pre-prepared. Oh my God, you're making your life so much more difficult I don't particularly enjoy that I'm more into the ideas that you get me you get me yeah fine yeah. I enjoy my sense of humor but you are saying Welsh Maybe I audience just... may like it you because you're one of them you uh, don't want that to happen like is the wrong word they just have expectations of me
0: right firstly a lot of them literally know who I am because in Wales you know in Welsh I do TV I do radio fair bit Often people just know who I am before I've even stepped on stage. They've seen your face somehow. They vaguely recognise you as a minimum. Yeah. So my mother will always send me really weird indicators of my status. So last Christmas she sent me...
1: (laughs) That's just such a motherly (laughs) thing
0: to do. She sent me a screenshot of the BBC's website's Christmas quiz, where I was a wrong answer for one of the questions.
1: (laughs) That is quite a achievement itself. (laughs) To make it into a quizzing show's sort of source material, Mm. I would say that you are part of the quiz writer's active (laughs) consciousness. Yeah, that's it. It is nice. You realise, oh okay. Or like
0: she sent me a it was an advert for a magazine, but the specific issue of the magazine they used to sell the subscription had me on the cover. Oh. (laughs) So it was like
1: I didn't realize you're such a this morning level of (laughs) I don't know how to describe it, but I mean, hello magazine type <laughs> of existence. Well, 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 that's
0: it. Like, I, I'm big in Wales, but not even Wales, just like the 25% of people so who speak So, how do you here. introduce and... yourself?
1: So, Stephen Aline, the hello magazine y comedian. <laughs> but, from Wales.
0: but this is how your brain works, right? Because you think about the figures. You go, there's 3 million people in Wales. If you're big in Wales, that's not nothing. But only 25% of those speak Welsh. So, you're down to 750,000. But of those, only about half of those actually engage with Welsh culture. They speak it, but they don't watch Welsh telly or listen to Welsh radio Mm -hmm. or read Welsh magazines, so they won't know who I am either. So you're down to about 300,000 people, and of those people, some of them
1: will be too old to be into my comedy, some of them might be too young. You've done the math, you think that the active pool you can get to become your comedy audience in Welsh is going to be rather small-ish. So you will see a lot of similar faces. I
0: think, well, mm, yes and no but then obviously I'm diminishing it because when I do Edinburgh, where most of the audience is not Welsh-speaking... I see a lot of the same faces there as well. You know, it's people yeah. who've seen me in shows before, and they know that like, you've done gigs yeah. more than a decade, so you yeah. have your following. Yeah. So I'm inclined to play down any success I have in Welsh because that feels less real. Like, there's only 30 comedians in Welsh. Of course, I'm popular. <laughs> there's not enough. But I get what you
1: say because the original question is why do you not enjoy performing in Welsh as much as in English? You know, saying because you don't quite have a neutral yeah, state, that's and it. that it just feels yeah. restrictive. And as a comedian, yeah. you want to have that room of Maneuver. Yeah, that's it. I know what my best twenty
0: minute set is, but I don't like doing it because I just I'm worried that everyone in that room has seen it a thousand times already. Right. So you try and write new stuff, but it takes ages to get new stuff to be good. But there aren't enough gigs in Welsh to practice and
1: rehearse. I would I feel like when I perform here I need to address their expectation of me as a foreigner and as a minority. And after I have done that, I can go on to do something else. And they don't have enough knowledge of Taiwan. They don't have enough knowledge of different countries Mm -hmm. in East Asia. So I have to be overly... Simplistic To the point, I hate what I do. But if I do any more nuances, they yeah. won't get it. Yeah. And I have to compromise so much, especially when I do a club weekend night. If I can do that in front of my home crowd, I would actually appreciate it. But that's because I've not done it much. Maybe yeah. when I have a chance, I will think differently.
0: You might do it and feel like, oh, actually this just feels strange because you've created an act based on being special but the things that make you special some of those are racial and some of those are yeah. cultural and those things aren't special to your people
1: no but that's something I actually try to avoid in yeah. instance I don't want you to go on to say hey so that's true, Asian people are like this in the eyes of you white people that's something I hate so much mm. but I have to do it if I don't do it at all the audience will find me really odd yeah. I like to go into my observation do dirty jokes mm. I'm just a dirty gay boy but I mm-hmm. can't go straight into that, no. I yeah. always have to meet the expectation and say, yeah. "Okay, are you gonna talk about you being a minority? Because this is what you're supposed to do on the lineup." You know, part of the point of comedy is that it should be effortless
0: to watch. It should be really easy. It shouldn't feel like theater. The time should fly by. Yeah,
1: but my point was it has to be club funny. Yeah. But there are different type of club funny jokes. So as a minority act, okay, yeah, if you just want to achieve club funny by saying, mm, "We love a dog burger," yum yum yum, and yeah. that's something I find extremely yeah. irritating. But I know the there are minority acts of East Asian heritage that would do that. Yeah. I can't call them out. I yeah. even did it once or twice in the past myself. But mm. when people overplay that stereotype, yeah. they say, oh, gosh, she's not helping. If yeah. I had this horrible image of this comedian on stage mm. singing a song to say how small Chinese penises are for like mm. a whole minute. And keep saying, "Smash, smash!" Yeah,
0: and I do feel that way with Wales as well.
1: That Remember fun, when yeah. you MC the Comedia gig, yeah. and you just kind of mentioned you're from Wales. Yeah. Someone then shouted, ship shagger. Yeah. How did you feel on that
0: night? Um, I mean, it's fine, isn't it? I quite like being heckled, because I think something that knocks me off my perch is better for the rest of the audience. Right. So I wasn't hurt by it. And also, if you're a Welsh speaker... You are from a little safe bubble and you carry that with you. Mm. You can't be hurt by someone shouting sheepshagger because you're like, you don't know anything. You don't know anything anything about my culture. I'm going to go back to my country. I am going to spend time with my family. I'm going to talk to my mother about a Welsh language crime novel I'm reading. I'm going to find out what my cousin's up to at the Eisteddfod this year, the big festival of culture. I'm going to watch Welsh language news and see what the Senedd, our government, is doing. The idea that you can reduce me to the agricultural stereotype, I'm immune to it. I'm from a city. Shrug. It's meaningless. You're not shouting sheep shagger because you've recognised something real about me. You're just doing it because it's word association. You've heard Welsh, you've said sheep shaker, you're nothing to me but, no-
1: but what yeah. I picked up from you the keyword for me is in you mm. that means yeah. it's not that in absolute turn it had no impact on you whatsoever yeah. it's very long time ago it might have had an impact but mm. you build up enough resistance to not let that affect you yeah that's- I think that's true So I think
0: I know what my pressure points are. And I try and not have them. I used to have pressure points about my sexuality. You know, if people would be homophobic to me, I would find it really hurtful and really hard. And now, I don't care. So I can't be hurt by it. Same with my nationality, same with my language.
1: So let's say if you are performing in Wales, you can yeah. expect it's extremely unlikely the audience will just shout that stupid Wales stereotype, mm. sheep shagger. That means whenever you cross the border to perform <laughs> in England, there's a little bit of breathing yeah. you have to got, do. Got, you get your jab. Yeah. Yeah. So right here, I'm back in England again. This is what I might expect to happen mm so that jab what what is that like that jab <laughs> there must be some mental preparation whether you do it intentionally or subconsciously what the thought process is like
0: yeah i think it is subconscious and i think it starts way before i'm on stage because it starts as soon as i'm in the green room and i'm talking to the other acts mm. let's talk about that comedian gig i am in brighton that's who i am today i'm the person who's in brighton Let's do some Brighton stuff, like pop out to the shops, walk on the beach. So I try and do that when I have time. If it's a flying visit and I don't have the time to immerse myself, at the very least, I talk to the other acts on the bill.
1: And what reminds you that you are no longer on home turf? Was that feeling strong? Well, you're just away, aren't
0: you? You're away from home. There's just things that aren't there and some of them are obvious and some of them are subtle.
1: But let's say if you're away from Swansea, you're not at home. But what's the difference between coming to Cardiff to gig and then going to Brighton or London or Manchester to gig? So in Cardiff,
0: cash machines still provide me with a Welsh option. (laughs) (laughs) Just little things like that. It seems subtle and it seems silly, but it's real. Signs are bilingual here. In Cardiff, walking here to the studio today, announcements on the trains are bilingual. You're walking past signs. So, like, I'm just seeing and hearing my language everywhere. And you bump into people. And sometimes it's people you know. Sometimes it's, again, this is a nice thing about being quite well known in Wales. Sometimes people know who you are. So they'll strike up a conversation with you in Welsh. There's a certain culture to the way that you connect with people. So, as soon as you're in Brighton, you're just like, That's not going to happen. No one is going to do that to me here. And you're not going to be accommodated. Like, it's really weird to be in a supermarket and those self-service checkout machines and you can't switch it to your language. And you just pause a minute and go oh there's some companies that do so mcdonald's and i know mcdonald's isn't a good company and maybe i shouldn't eat there but the welsh language option is an option in all their uk branches not just the welsh ones so like if i'm getting a a shameful mcdonald's at the end of a gig in brighton at that point i can hear the welsh the translation isn't great but it's good enough It's just all those little bits of accessibility comfort that you get used to at home that are just immediately gone as soon as you're away.
1: Okay, can I ask a cheeky question? Yes. When you really needed that support and you have one Welsh speaker from North of Wales, the other from the South of Wales, would you give preference to the Southern Welsh speaker because the accent is not quite as different? <laughs>
0: uh, no. So my. <laughs> Maybe some people
1: would, but my mother's from the north, okay. <laughs> so uh,
0: so half my so family. No, no, I'm would, trying yeah. to draw comparison because
1: <laughs> for me, Taiwanese yeah. is incredibly emotional when I hear it, yeah. but I I still mentally think, oh, that's a southern pronunciation, but Mm. I don't get to
0: choose. Well, yeah, (laughs) I I I mean, it is a thing, and Welsh is very very regional, even the
1: words that you use can vary quite a lot between towns that are
0: even just 10 miles apart.
1: You use a very neutral word, accessibility but I think you're touching upon something that's incredibly emotional I believe none of my guests has covered this aspect, and now you just make me wonder. I guess for most of my guests, they come from a language zone that is not so threatened and endangered Yeah It's a lot more Likely and easily For them to find someone To have any information Or any sound Of their language They don't feel like mm. They're cut off from it Yeah But you were describing The exposure To your language Almost like A battery recharge It mm. provides you With the warmth Emotional support You need to feel at home Like a mother's cuddle When I think But do I need that I think so But I'm, I'm aware of it Because for me To get any Information in Mandarin or in Taiwanese it's Mm. fairly easy I have some really good friends who are also Taiwanese and we chat to each other all the time there's not a day that I could not use that language when I'm trying to imagine a scenario let's say for a whole month I could not speak anything but English that's gonna be weird yeah I never thought of that yeah
0: that's a really big thing for me there's um there's an old Marvel comic which I never read but someone described it to me once so it's always stayed with me about a superhero who it's a convoluted story but in the 80s or 90s they were like this character is gay and we want to cover AIDS yeah. as a story obviously it's affecting so many people but then the publisher or whatever was like you can't do a story about AIDS and you can't have that character be gay so suddenly they had this story they were halfway through telling about this man who was getting more and more sick but they were not allowed to make it AIDS anymore so they had to come up with a different story a new writer came in and came up with a different ending that this man was Canadian he derived his power from an affinity with Canada and so the longer he's away from Canada he gets sicker and sicker oh basically all he needs to do to fix that is just go back occasionally and rechart. obviously I think that is incredibly offensive that that age story was not allowed to be told but also I've never related more to a fictional character
1: <laughs> than someone who isn't has isn't that to. a bit like how the elves are in Tolkien's oh ah, is it I can see that one of the things you mentioned you were doing this podcast <laughs> you say a joke in Edinburgh didn't work and you say that I'm trying to put on my most professional accent just for you guys and you notice that the only people that love are the non-native English speakers yeah and before you can finish the story she went on to talk about whatever she wanted to talk ah, okay. about okay yeah. can I ask you about this specific joke you cut off from yeah. Edinburgh Ooh, so this is going back a few years that I recorded that recording that book, was uh... 2016 so it was wow. early early Edinburgh you did
0: Okay so that's my first full solo show I think God how well can I remember that I'll talk about that So my first Edinburgh show was secretly about language And so my first Edinburgh show was disguised as like just silly observations about my childhood But really it was about me trying to work out if the Welsh speaking kid that I used to be Would be proud of the adult he'd become Particularly mm. because that adult works predominantly through the English language I visually in the show kind of imagine talking to myself as a child but of course that child can't understand me because he doesn't speak the language that I do stand up in and so I anticipated I'm going to have to explain every single thing of this because my audiences are going to be monolingual English speakers because I just thought they'd mostly be English Scottish audiences but of course it's an international festival people from other countries come all the time and what I found was the first few days maybe the first week or so I was getting five or six people in then word of mouth gets out and by the end I'm filling that room it was 60 seats and what I hadn't anticipated was it was bringing in international audiences I had a massive chunk in that show I would talk about my experiences trying to learn English there were several purposes to this but the main thing I wanted to do was this I love comedy as a kid like I would go to comedy every fortnight in uni so I saw so so many comedians all of them want to talk about Wales a bit some of them did it brilliantly but way too many of them would just do like lazy observations about the language and they would just say things like oh it just looks like you've picked the spelling at random or whatever and you go well yeah of course it does to you because you don't speak it that's what all languages look like if you don't speak it yeah or there'd be jokes like uh oh I see that the Welsh word for taxi is taxi and you go well, yeah, like we, it's spelt differently. It's very common for people to make jokes about, like, oh, what's the worst word for taxi? So
1: you were talking about in your first annual yeah. friend show, it's all about language. Yes, yeah. and yeah. there are this false assumption from monolingual mm. people who only speak one language, yeah. make that oh, why is it like that? Yeah. You know, when Simon Field had that special, mm. he had a whole bit about why am i on the bus but in the taxi and i just thought this is only funny to people who never had to learn another yeah. foreign language because that's our lesson 10 preposition and that's yeah, it yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah that's it that's why right. you so just know you just a lot of people typically make fun of Welsh language saying yeah. oh i have this place name It's basically a wi-fi password yeah i think i've heard it yeah. at least five times yeah. from yeah. different welsh <laughs> communities. Yeah.
0: So my goal was, I'm going to reverse this, because I want monolingual English speakers to know what it's like Mm -hmm. to hear this rhetoric. And obviously, it's never going to be the same, because it's not punching down to do it the other way around because English is such a dominant language. But what I wanted to show was every single joke you have ever made about Welsh works in reverse because these jokes are not about my language, they are jokes about a language you don't understand. So I wrote my version of every single hack joke about language from the point of view of me as a child learning English. Like, it's a famous thing, O, U, G, H, those four letters, depending on what word they're in, can be pronounced in one of nine different ways why do you have spelling? I would get irate, I would get worked up about it, I would let myself get as angry as I sometimes feel Q has five letters, four of which are entirely unnecessary, like in my language we have a system where you can tell how a word is meant to be pronounced by the symbols chosen to represent that word, and in English there is no such system. There is a game in English called Scrabble, where you are awarded more points for how unusual the letters are and the only explanation I can find for why English is spelt the way it is, is that that game came first. It's much more about the energy because all the jokes, they're not even, I wouldn't even say they're my jokes per se you know they're not stolen either those are all the jokes that people make but doing them in reverse suddenly you would feel it that's when international audiences were like whoa because they've come to see what they see as a british act speaking in english so to suddenly hear that person cut loose and express this frustration because we don't allow ourselves to feel it you want to assimilate you want your english to be as good as possible sometimes you just want to go like "Do you know what english speakers
1: (laughs) How did it go down with the art? few monolingual English speakers in a the crowd? They loved it because
0: if you are part of the privileged, bigotry is funny.
1: <laughs> That's my question because I think you have a little clip on your YouTube channel They must be from this show. Must be that show, yeah. My first thought was, is it not to techie or too hard as a subject for the audience because yeah. i sometimes make jokes about languages and i know for some clubs i absolutely yeah keep it to myself yeah. i have a whole joke about people don't understand what an adjective is for example so
0: it's so late in the show that people have got to know me by this point right. and so they like me and also they know that it's coming from a place of pain
1: it's on brand and it's consistent yeah. with the message of the show
0: and also they know that I've earned
1: the right to have this
0: perspective because it hurt me. So a lot of that show on some level is about what it costs you to, what it costs you to not speak your country's dominant language, but also what it costs you to force yourself to learn it and engage with it. Because there's a cost either way, you know, either way it takes a toll on your soul. There's a big battle in Wales to get more funding all the time for the Welsh language. It gets cut all the time. This is why there's a new study showing that the Welsh has diminished, in my opinion. The reason that's happened is because it's been underfunded for another 10 years. Yeah. I wonder why. Who was in charge in that time? And more to the point, we've also just had a pandemic. When a language grows, when there's more speakers of it all the time, parents who don't speak it are sending their children to Welsh language school. And when there is a global pandemic that means the school's shut, Yeah, kills it kills the momentum. It means that kids who would have gone to school and learned Welsh didn't. And it means kids who were in the middle of learning Welsh have that period of their lives interrupted and they don't pick it up.
1: I just hope in the tide of long human evolution it's just a short hiccup and yeah. all yeah. the best best wishes to Welsh language. Like, I don't want to sound like hackersons sincere, <laughs> but I didn't expect this recording to go this way. Mm. And tons of questions I didn't ask but I don't think you're quite just a comedian. I think you're a poet. I don't know whether that's your personal thing yeah. or it's because your embrace of the Welsh language has so much richness, the energy it's just like deep-rooted inside you. I don't want to portray this stereotypical typical <laughs> image, but they say Welsh is the language of song. And um, anyone want to know how Welsh sounds like, I recommend you to find out a singer called Broann Lewis. She covered pop songs into the Welsh language. Absolutely beautiful. I think she's big on TikTok. To finish this podcast, I'm going to ask you a question. So yeah. I've heard this joke from more than three Welsh comedians. Mm. What is the actual translation for microwave in Welsh?
0: Uh, the translation of microwave is microdon, But when the microwave was first invented, a generation of grumpy people who were like, oh, what's this? This is nonsense, including my grandfather, dismissively called it a poppity ping, <laughs> which is literally, poppity is the word for oven. So it's the ping oven.
1: Right. Right. So that so joke wasn't a- particularly untrue But it's yeah. not true true Yeah
0: it's it's a joke It's like a funny thing we
1: say <laughs> Thank you for finally clarifying this point How can we find you on social
0: media? Well if it still exists by the time you hear this I am on Twitter At Stalin S-T-A-L-U-N That's probably the best way I do have Like if you're on Facebook I have a thing called um, The Stefan Allen Official Group So like I'll put my big tours and yeah. shows there No Instagram? I am on Instagram But I just use Ish. it For photos of nice walks <laughs> okay. So yeah I'm Stefan Allen on Instagram If you want to follow me there I suppose Okay. Also maybe check out My podcast Which I haven't We haven't recorded Any new stuff in ages But I think it's really <laughs> good Which is called Rats in Boiler Suits The Torchwood Podcast So me and my friend Kim Who are both Welsh And bisexual Talk about the most Welsh and bisexual show Of all time
1: I'm sorry I don't know how to end This podcast Because I've been Taken to a very Emotional state So I'm just worried about how to Edit this episode Because oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had A two hour recording I am supposed to Cut it down to 40 Minutes well good luck oh, to wow. me. Alright, I'm gonna thank um Stefan Alin, but uh, for English speaker, you might think it's Alun. So Stefan alin for coming on to the podcast for a wonderful episode. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs>